Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the CarCast after USC's 45-37 win at Arizona in Tucson. The Trojans don't cover, but they do uh, score 40 points for the, what is it, the like sixth time and seventh, fifth time? And I, I probably should have looked that up before I just threw it out there. For the multiple time in games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, USC is now 7-1 <laughs> in their first eight games of the season. Uh, the Trojans um, now enter November, a November in which they will be home for the remainder of the season. The Arizona game, the last road game, the last time USC will wear white. Uh, the only other game on the schedule, not at the Coliseum, of course, at USC's other home, uh, November 19th at the Rose Bowl. But um, let's talk about this one. Uh, it was a wild game at, in, in Tucson, one in which uh, the first half went back and forth. Uh, the the uh, right before halftime, one of the craziest calls you'll ever see. Uh, a third quarter that looked like SC was going to blow this game wide open and run away with it, followed by a about a three minute stretch in which Arizona completely turned the game on its head, and nearly tied the game. Um, followed by a fourth quarter in which SC regained control and ultimately finishes it off uh, with an eight point win. Uh, welcome to the chat, as always. If you're joining us here live on YouTube, uh, throw your, your comments in the chat. Have your say. We want to know what you guys think about USC's win over the Arizona Wildcats. Be sure to, to vote in our poll that we've put up there 
uh, over on YouTube as well. Um, asking you guys to grade USC's performance uh, against Arizona as well. But uh, Alicia, let's let's go to you. Tell me your thoughts, your first initial thoughts uh, about SC's and win over the Wildcats. Yes, SC's forty-five to thirty-seven win over the Wildcats. We, we are aware, chat. Um, yeah, that's, that, I'll, I'll I'll fix the bug. Yeah. <laughs> um, what a what a strange, strange, strange game. I I find myself thinking of what I watched on Thursday when I was watching Utah take on Washington State and looking at that game and thinking, man, Utah's just going to be lucky to get out of this game with a win given all of the injuries they were dealing with, given just the weird way that that game went down for them. And they did come out with a win, and I did give them a lot of credit for that. And in a column that I wrote for fansided.com today, I said they were the most impressive team of the week because without Cam Rising, without Tavion Thomas, without Micah Bernard, without Dalton Kincaid, without so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so, they managed to still get a win. And so it's not quite the same. Uh, it, it doesn't quite go one-for-one one because I think that the the USC was facing a weaker team, but they were on the road. Uh, USC was facing uh, the the personnel issues that they were facing were not quite as drastic as what uh, what Utah dealt with. USC didn't have to win this game without Caleb Williams, for instance. But there are some parallels there when you look at a team being on the road, missing starters and contributors and the guys who would have started in place of the starters and being able to to get a win. And I think that this was exactly the game that I wanted from USC's offense in the sense that they needed to bail out their defense and they did that. And there was a sense that I had that was very much like, okay, even though Arizona managed to to pull within the um, within a score of USC, it, it never felt like USC was not going to score themselves going back the other way. And that's without Jordan Addison, without Mario Williams, and with you know digging deep into seeing a ton of playing time from guys like Michael Jackson the third, from Kyle Ford, from Taj Washington, from Brendan Rice, from all of those guys, uh, you know. Saw a lot of uh, Terrell Bynum in, in this game. Saw a lot of uh, C.J. Williams and, and all those guys. So they were really digging deep into this offense, and the offense came through with exactly the performance you'd want. Caleb Williams is beyond. I don't think we could spend enough time on this podcast talking about how great Caleb Williams is and do him do him justice. Like we could do five hours and still not do justice to how good Caleb Williams Caleb Williams is. Um, but I think the the offense overall, what we saw from the offense is proof positive of what this offense can do in a game when things aren't going well for the defense. The defense is a problem. Um, yeah. Especially when Eric Gentry is not on the field. They even missed Raylan Goforth today. They missed someone like Corey Foreman coming in and, and, and having an impact. The defense was a problem. I thought that... Uh, the Tua Steven Nomura is the lone linebacker. Shane Lee is the lone linebacker. Neither of those looked looks worked. Uh, the defense was basically gasping for air the entire time. 
that's a problem. And that's going to be a problem in future matchups. But, but on the plus side, this defense got out of this. They, they, they got the stops that they needed to win the game. And they did so without a bunch of key starters. And hopefully those starters will be back uh, in time so that the Colorado and, and Cal games, which do not pose the same kind of threat that Arizona poses, uh, won't, be, won't be quite as much of a slog as this. But there's something to be said for winning on the road when you're missing a bunch of guys. And it's not pretty, but you get the job done. So I'm content. Yeah, I, at one point in the third quarter, I, I, I put out on Twitter, I was tempting fate by putting it on Twitter that, you know, all things considered, this is a performance that you have to feel really good about. Considering all the injuries, SC looked flawless on offense. The The passing game was incredible. Caleb Williams, just absurd. It, it is absurd how clean he plays with the, um, you know, how many times he gets out of the pocket, how many times he scrambles around. You're you're due to make a a, a, a dumb decision. You're due to to make a bad pass, force a ball, uh, force something, yeah. and he doesn't do that. It is it's wild to me that like you know even when when we talked about the the stuff that he was doing against uh, ASU that we thought was a little risky. Like he did literally none of that tonight. Everything he did, he was in complete control of. The touchdown pass that he threw to Brendan Rice in the second quarter insane uh, just the way he slows it down just fires that run, that missile um insane he almost threw another one to to rice the same way just like everything about the passing game i thought was a plus uh, especially when you're when you're down your your top two uh receivers brennan rice was also out for part of this game ultimately came back and and he had five catches tonight but the, the offense, I thought, was everything you wanted and more, especially given all the injuries. You take that a million days over, absolutely. And on defense, for the first, I, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes, I would have said that the defense was performing just fine. Um, yes, Arizona scored 10 points in that first quarter, but after that, they hold them to three in the, th- in the second the beginning of the third quarter is nothing but Jaden Delara running and scrambling for his life. And at that point in the game, I thought, you know, this isn't a terrible thing. If you're trading Delara having to run to beat you versus having to throw when he's got all those weapons at wide receiver, you take that trade. You tr- you take being able to bottle up the receivers, flushing him out of the pocket and forcing him to run. You take that trade. Fine. And it was working. And then all of a sudden, towards the middle to the end of the third quarter and going into the fourth quarter, he started to find those receivers with regularity and the passing game really came down to being successful for Arizona. That's what brought them back into the game. So the defense, yes, a problem because we didn't see the second half continue to go SC's favor. I thought it certainly could have, um, but it didn't. This was really the first time. I I, I would say that the – the Utah game too. I mean, the Utah game just never changed. But this was the first time I think the, Utah, the the defense got worse as the game has gone on. Would you say that is that fair? Um, to, maybe to a point. I also think that I mean that might have been possibly a reflection of 
some of the catches these dudes were making were just really th- this sure. is this is yeah. one of the things it's, that that's part of it but that's not the whole picture no 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 that's not the whole picture but you also we we talk about this at times you have to give credit to the other team and i was came away very impressed with jane delora i came away extremely impressed with the receiving core over at arizona those guys were making plays and usc's defense could have done more to stop them but USC's defense, the way that they were playing uh, against this Arizona team, against a team with lesser receiving talents, probably isn't able to make those kinds of those kinds of plays. And I want to give them a lot of credit for that. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if the defense started to look a little bit demoralized later in the game. And I think that might lead to the perception that maybe they got worse, which this defense needs to be playing with some swagger and confidence to be able to force the turnovers and havoc plays that they force. And they just weren't having success in any of those, in any of those ways. Yeah. Um, and it, it, the, I don't know, it just looked like the energy or the swagger or the belief was, was low. Yeah. And, and I, I thought it, I thought it was there or, you know, in the, in the middle quarters, but definitely as it, as it got closer to the end of that third quarter, things just, Completely went downhill. Defensively, Arizona comes back and almost steal. Like they were in position to potentially steal the game if something went weird on offense. But like we talked about it in the the pregame pod, I I said that uh, the you know Arizona's going to have to win a shootout, but that SC's offense is probably too good for Arizona's defense because Arizona's defense is that historically bad. Mm-hmm. That's basically what happened, right? Because yeah. if Arizona could get a stop outside of that that three and out that happened um, there towards the, the late of the, the third quarter, yeah. which allows Arizona to come back and try to tie the game on that two point conversion outside of that, Arizona just couldn't make a stop to save their life. SC was just that good on offense, but the only time they were getting stops was uh, missed field goals. There was two of them by Lynch tonight. Um, and then that play the, uh, the, before, the before the half, yeah. the, um, <laughs> You know, the, the, um, I don't, what, what, you remember, was it 10 years ago? Wisconsin went on the road into Tempe oh. and the final moments was trying to, to clock the ball. Yeah. And the ref pre- prevented, um, the guy from, from clocking it. And it was a big deal. And it was an embarrassing moment for the Pac 12 because it's how the game ended. ASU ends up winning the game. Remember that? Yeah. That's just like 10 years ago. What happened tonight, <laughs> like before the half, worse than that. Like egregiously worse than that. Um, it's incredible that that ultimately ends up not mattering. It's a good thing for SC. It's a good thing for the conference. Maybe, maybe not a good thing for the conference because it's easy for everyone to forget about it. I, I know that the chat has been going off about, uh, about the egregiousness of, of the uh, officials. Um, Michael Mothershed, you know, people putting fire Michael Mothershed in the, here yeah. in, in the YouTube chat. It <laughs> insane, insane what happened with the referee. But to, to go back to my point, SC's offense was was just too good tonight that Arizona was going to have to make a play on defense, and they couldn't do that to save their life. And that's what ultimately uh, gets SC through uh, to to win the game because SC got an interception in this game. Um, and Arizona didn't. That was the difference. SC forced the turnover. Arizona did not. Uh, another game, seven out of eight games in which the Trojans have not turned over the ball. 
Uh, I mentioned the poll we put over here on YouTube. If you're if you're watching us live on YouTube, how would you grade USC's performance tonight? Forty-eight percent say B. Forty-six percent say C. There's no D option, by the way, because YouTube only allows four options for a poll. So it's A, B, C, or F, which probably <laughs> fair because a D is basically failing anyways. But zero percent with the F. I'm I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, usually, you know, there's some outlier, right? No, five uh, percent said A. Where, where would you put SC on that scale? Yeah, I think B or C is probably right. B, if you want to give them credit for fighting through in in tough circumstances with all the injuries and being on the road and just the way that Arizona was making plays. Yeah. C, if you want to hold them to a higher standard, which I think is is fair to do, depending on on your outlook for the season. And I think that's one of the things that sort of makes this such a weird game to evaluate. Like if I put on my preseason Alicia cap that or or the 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 side of me that doesn't want to see USC in the in the playoff because I don't think they're ready for that yet. And I don't think that uh, there's anything wrong with USC not being ready to say win the Pac-12 yet in year one under Lincoln Riley. If I put that hat on I come into this game thinking this is way more close to what I expected every game to be for USC this year. This was way more big 12 bad sort of scenario that I expected in the first half of the season. And we didn't really get, and that, so, so in that sense, like, like I said, I'm content. If I take off that hat and put on the hat, that's legitimately making an argument for USC to be a playoff contender, to be a contender for the PAC 12 title, um, to to want to step on the field against everyone they play and have a chance to win, this was not a this was a C uh, at best. Like this was just not a good enough performance. Certainly from the defense, um, the the offense. If you want to get really nitpicky, you know, settling for field goals a couple times. I don't feel like being nitpicky about that. Even that one three and out, like if you have one of those a game, but then score on all your other drives, like that's, <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to complain. Um, this game is very much about the defense being out of their depth. Mm-hmm. I think there's reasons for why they're out of their depth. Sure, and yeah. a lot we, of those we, we are out of their b- control. B- before the, they're, the depth just isn't there on defense yet. Right. And, and so once you end up losing a guy, a key guy or two, and especially at linebacker, and we've talked about it before, the linebackers are the weak link of this defense. And it doesn't help that your best linebacker goes down. Um, and suddenly you've got Shane Lee, who we know has been uh, vulnerable in, in pass coverage. He has to go up against the number five pass team in the country. Mm-hmm. Not a great matchup. Um, and then you throw out there uh, to Asimi Nomura, who he he's not used to getting starting reps on this defense yet. And I think he's, He's still a developing player, and you want to see more out of him uh, and and see him continue to grow. But that's a tough spot to put him out there in. Especially when the defense was very clearly, to me, schemed around the injuries. What was the game year? It was years ago that USC had to do this, where they went to the dime defense because they didn't have any linebackers. I don't remember when it was, but I do remember specifically that that USC – basically went out and with just like three linemen and a linebacker and everybody else was a DB. And it was specifically Mm -hmm. schemed because of the injuries. This felt a lot like that. 
and maybe it lent itself to, to playing Arizona um, uh, that they were comfortable going with that. But like, you can't tell me that if Eric Gentry and Raylan Goforth were healthy, that USC would have come out in that dime defense as their base. I just don't think that's what it would have been. So when has USC even run that, that defense, like CB Namora is thrown into a defense that USC has not run at any other point this season. The the difference though, is I, I, I don't know how different it is considering this is a team that we've talked about before who Arizona does one thing in an elite level and nothing else in an elite level and then yeah. passing the football. And so I, I don't know that, you know, going back and and sitting back in the in that nickel and and, and dime and, and moving back and forth between those 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 sets and, and trying to throw out different numbers is ne- necessarily something they wouldn't have done otherwise. Uh, it just makes puts even more burden on guys like Shane Lee for sure. I don't know that Shane Lee was specifically the problem in this game. It was just a mixture of of coverages in general. He actually had but, good coverage on one play that was a catch, and again, it was like he made that catch. Like I thought there was good coverage well, there, but Dorian Singer made a ton of like crazy catches. Yeah, but like I I, I keep going back to it, it was you know it sort of reminded me of, and I don't want to bring this up. I know it's a touchy moment, but a game that happened uh, January fourth, two thousand six. Um, in which SC kept sending block uh, rushers uh, by the name of T-I-N-G off of one end <laughs> to force a uh, quarterback by the name of Y-O-U-N-G uh, in one direction. Um, that's That kind of is what happened in this game with the exception of if Delar is going to run, d- just you, you take that. But that's what sort of happened in the middle quarters, right? Where, yeah. you know, it was just everyone dropping back forcing him into into those runs. And then when that didn't happen and he was able to just, you know, ultimately sling it, things changed a little bit. We saw Bryson Shaw get some action in this game. Um, he made a couple big plays. It's going to be interesting to see what he can do later on um, in, in this defense. He comes over from Ohio State. We talked about it in the preview pod that uh, his dad put out on Twitter that he had a, a quad tear um, in in camp before the season started. And so now that he's healthy, that adds another wrinkle to the to the safeties. But you it know, would help more if he was a linebacker. It, I mean, that's the sure, problem, right? Sure. This is where you need. We, we talked about it before. This is where you need Talano Hufanga, a guy who's going to be like, you need a linebacker, and then I'll be a linebacker on this play. Was that the Was that the defense? Was I that when they had Talanoa as the as the as the linebacker? It might have been. That's I, that, that rang a bell for me, but. Either either way, like we came into this season saying that the defense was going to be limited and we were impressed by the job that they did early in the season and the fight that they had early in the season. And it feels like the last two weeks, it's it feels like some of their luck has run out. They're still forcing a turnover in each of these games, but they're not forcing two or three the way that they were. And yeah. and it feels like the 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 injuries have taken the toll on them significantly more then they've taken the toll on the offense. And I think that's that was predictable. The offense, you know. The offense has more depth. The offense has more depth. And and if you had told me what, which positions would you rather see a slew of injuries at, I could have said that USC would survive the wide receiver injuries more than the, they would survive the linebacker inju- injuries. But that's yeah. where all the injuries have been. I guess what's disappointing about this game is that given all those injuries, 
I think there was hope from the fan base that maybe this would be the game where we see Rajon Davis, maybe Chris Thompson gets in, maybe we just see somebody new, and we clearly didn't. That tells us that they those guys, as much talk as there is that they might be ready, they're, the coaches don't think they're ready. Well, the new guy was was CV, and it's not like he's well, a and new we've player. Seen, but... And we've seen to a CV right. but, for but weeks in, now. In so... terms of the, the, the workload that he yeah. got, that was the the new angle of it, not yeah. that he's a new face or anything like that. No, but but the I think the point is that the depth on this defense was limited going into the season. Yeah. There is no help coming. Um, in fact, they've just gotten shorter on help because of the way that the injuries have fallen. And so I think you just have to take your lumps when it comes to this defense. I, I have seen people talk about, you know, fire Alex Grinch and all this kind of stuff. Still too premature for me. Like I, I don't know what I I don't know what a defensive coordinator is really going to achieve when they're taking over a defense that was as bad as USC's was, that had less reinforcements arrive the way that the, the as the offense did. Um, it's a tough spot for Grinch. I won't yeah. judge him in year one. Year two, we can start to judge. Year three, we can we can definitely judge. Um, but this this game really highlights. I think Utah and other games in the in the past have highlighted, but this game really really highlights that uh, USC is going to have a really tough time unless they really work the transfer portal and get some get some more instant contributors, so that when the instant contributor that they got from the transfer portal goes down injured. There's somebody else there to pick up the slack because that's what what we're seeing is, and I don't want to say that this de- the defense would have been great if Eric Gentry had been in there, but we've seen this defense be better when Eric Gentry is in there. It's certainly harder to pass on this defense when he's in there, just given his size. Yeah. So I, I want to see what it, what it would have changed with some of the Delara runs too. Like, does that take away some of the longer ones? It, does it limit the twelve-yard ones to maybe a nine-yard gain? I don't know. Or is there a tip that results in a turnover? Or yeah. does Delora have more hesitancy trying to pass over the middle, or or any of those kinds of things? I think it's just it's just tough. But the the tightrope that USC was walking on defense has is this is sort of the the fall that that was almost bound to come if if the injuries were going to be like this, but. Yeah. I, I hope that USC takes this as a sign. Like they really, really, really need reinforcements at a handful of positions. Um, I yeah. mean, in this, uh, this, this game kind of highlighted too that USC's pass rush, while they can be effective, the right quarterback can make them completely ineffective. And Cam Rising sure. did this, and Jaden Delora has now done this. If you don't think Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to do well, this, then this is the thing that that I was thinking is, I I think in a lot of ways that this SC offense the last two weeks has been insanely impressive, right? Yeah. And I feel more confident in this SC offense than I ever have before. Um, this is the most confidence I've had in a USC offense dating back to two thousand five. Yeah. They look virtually unstoppable at this point. They're peaking on all cylinders. They've done it on the road two games in a row where they've – it's amazing they haven't scored 50 in each game. Like they, they look like a 100-point a, a offense at, at this point, right? Yes. Um, having said that, after this game, is do I have more confidence in SC beating UCLA? No. 
Because if the defense shows up tonight the way that they did, uh, DTR, especially the last 20 minutes of the game, the way the defense played, DTR and UCLA are scoring 50 again. And you're gonna have to you're gonna have to score sixty yourself um, to beat them, which I, I think that SC is capable of doing that, sure. Um, but having to do that versus actually doing that on your own are, are two different things. Yeah. Um, and then you add in Oregon. Am I more confident in USC's chances of beating Oregon? No, because of the defense. Um, and there, there was uh, I, I forget who said it in, in the chat that if SC makes the playoff, it's gonna it's gonna be a, a, a redo of the LSU Oklahoma game from a few years ago. Uh, two things: one, yes, that's probably right. Yeah, because SC I would is gonna, take that right now if yes, you gave me that right now for the yeah, record. Th- th- that's probably right. Number two, though, if that happens in year one, and I keep going back to this too, like i I have because of the way the defense played tonight, I have less confidence in USC's ability to win the conference, given how UCLA and Oregon look like offensive juggernauts. Um, and that's a scary matchup for the Trojans in that sense. Having said that, I gotta go back to it's year one. It's year one in a completely new system on offense and defense, um one in which SC had to go to the transfer portal to fill holes. And that was never going to be an infallible way to to do it on either side of the ball. It certainly helped on offense considerably more. And at that point, you look at it, and it's like SC at seven and one. Um, and there was there was a question that we got here on on YouTube uh, from where is it from uh, from Dave the Greater? What would our record be if we still have Slovis at quarterback? Okay, if, if SC still had Slovis and, and Graham Harrell, the combination of Graham Harrell and, and Keaton Slovis, uh, tonight is a loss. Oregon State. Utah, we'll just go backwards. Utah is a loss. Mm-hmm. Washington State, they, they pull that one out. Um, ASU, they, they pull that one out. Oregon State is a loss. Fresno State's a win. Stanford is a loss. Um, Rice is a win, and they're 4-4. Four and four. Right, like mm-hmm. like the the difference in this offense, um, being guided by Caleb Williams, who is doing it to near perfection. Um, again, only one interception in the entire season. SC has turned over the ball one time in eight games. How insane is that? It's like, genuinely incredible. In, in like, you 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 couldn't write that. Like it, I, I turnover luck exists because this isn't possible usually. Yeah. Um. And yeah, SC has has been nearly perfect on offense in a lot of different aspects, and that's the difference. And to do that in year one is insane. SC is in a, in, is in a great spot. They're number ten in the country. Going to be probably at least number nine tomorrow morning, considering that Oklahoma State is going to fall, tumble out of the polls, or, or at least tumble out of the top ten. Um, yeah, SC is in, in a good spot, albeit a a weird one with the, the defense. Um, the last two ga- last two games, but of course, uh, the next couple of weeks, Cal and Colorado both coming to the Coliseum. Two games in which SC will be favored by double digits. Um, the Colorado game, who knows? Maybe SC will be favored by triple digits, um, leading into the UCLA game. Which, if if SC can hold serve the next two weeks, that's that's going to be the one. And and your your hope is that 
on defense, Eric Gentry is back and changes things on defense. And SC can give up 30 points to UCLA instead of 60 points uh, and hope that you score more. Jordan Addison back and Mario Williams back and you score even more points or, or whatever uh, on offense against UCLA. That's, I mean, that's the hope, but the problem is that we don't know a, what the timeline for Eric Gentry really is. We yeah. don't know what he'll be like when he gets back. And we don't know if maybe the dam has just burst on this defense. It's, it's really hard to say. Yeah. Um, but that's what we got to find out, right? And mm-hmm. and this is where we're going to see, does Alex Grinch have the ability to adjust, to change things around? Does Lincoln Riley have the ability to adjust and change things around? Um, there was a, a question uh, from Ryan uh, in the chat. Do you think USC's refusal to lean on the run when the defense is rushing three will end up hurting us? And I think that there is certainly an argument that USC could lean on the run a lot more than they currently do. But I think you and I had this sort of debate slash conversation last time around. And it was sort of like, well, can you really fault the the offense when they're putting up 441 yards and five touchdowns through the air? Yeah. It, it's hard to say. Um, but it would be interesting if if Alex Grinch and company figure out that like there's nothing we can do here to to stop the bleeding if USC maybe adjust what they do on offense and, and play more ball control and see if they can limit possessions on the other side. Cause that might be the way that you deal with something like, you know, UCLA, if you're worried that, you know, <laughs> that Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to put up 60, 60, 70 points on you. Well, maybe you do take a page out of Stanford or old school Stanford's book and, and limit those possessions. But that's what the last month of the season is so interesting for is we get to see where, the coaching staff is going to try and put a stamp on something that is going to be very limited for, for what they're going to be putting a stamp on. Cause they only have the players that they have and they have limited coaching time with them and, and all of those elements that are, that are going into it. So I'm really curious. The next two weeks are a lot easier than this game, but the last two weeks are the most meaningful. And sure. if you don't take care of your business in the next two weeks, then the, the, those last two, uh, those last two weeks are going to be pointless, uh, you know, um, or at least these next two weeks will have been pointless if you can't go ahead and and do something against Notre Dame and UCLA. Um, yeah, to, to go on the offensive thing about, you know, we got a question from Marcelo too. Why, why do they choose not to run? I, I have a, I have a hard time with the with the the not running thing. Like we talked about it in the preview, Arizona's rush defense is historically bad and yes that should be reason to just run the ball on every down and i agree in in run the ball run the ball and 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 do all of that but i just have a hard time pointing it pointing it out when in the third quarter alone the wide receivers in six plays gained 186 yards i say wide receivers because that includes a 53 yard reverse I'm not going to include a 53-yard reverse in the run game. You know what I mean? Um, not exactly a, a handoff from Caleb Williams to, um, uh, to to any of the running backs, but 103 yards passing in, in that third quarter on on five catches. The that's how explosive the passing game was. The the, the offense in general tonight, 611 yards. I, I don't think that we can you know sit here and say that they're not running the ball enough or that the, the lack of running is costing them anything. 
they had one three and out, and that one three and out included a third down play in which Caleb Williams had a guy wide open and he opted to make a more difficult pass. So, and that's probably Caleb Williams' worst play of the night is making that decision that caused the three and out. It's it's splitting hairs for me. I, yes, against maybe a, a more difficult opponent uh, that could end up being a problem. But like we talked about in after the Utah game, you said that you wish that they, you know, ran the ball and killed more clock and and tried to to you know play keep away a little bit more. And all I can think of is like you've got like burners. This is this is an offensive that has all the firepower in the world. Why are you slowing it down if you have the ability to make this a track meet and throw the ball up and down the field and defenses are not taking that away from you and you're able to do that, do it. Do it until they until they stop it. My counter to that is it's not like USC has an unsuccessful rushing attack and running the ball would not result in touchdowns, especially in, in a game like this. Arizona has a miserably bad rush defense. So you could have run the ball, taken more clock out, and gotten the touchdowns that you that you needed in yeah. order to take this game away. I, I think there's there's a there's an argument that being explosive lends itself to Big Twelve bad kind of games. And if you want, if you have a defense that can't get stops, sure, and you want your offense to help your defense, then slowing the game down helps your defense. I don't think it's a catch-all. I don't think it necessarily changes the way we feel about this game if that's the way that USC operates in the second half. Because if USC scores their last three touchdowns on drives that are more methodical, then the, the game probably still ends up like <laughs> more or less in, in the area that we're in. Um, there aren't a ton of drives that USC doesn't... Uh, well, let's see. Let's go through. Okay. Well, well, to, to go to go so, back, back to the chat, uh, D- Dave says the number of yards isn't po- the point, Michael. It's controlling the game. As he was controlling the game in the third quarter with with Caleb Williams going up and up and down the field with with, with the but, passing game. But like, the, I, but at the controlling same time, the game isn't just about running. And you know, yes, yes but in I, the second I, half, you when you when you're when your drives, your first four drives of the second half are one minute, one minute thirty five seconds. 12 seconds and one minute, 10 seconds. Yes, this is an offense you dream of. Like but the whole de- point of getting defense- Lincoln Riley is that you would have an offense yes, but that was explosive and could do this. And now scored- SC gets it and we're complaining you've about o- it. You've only scored on two of those four possessions and your defense is going back out there after minimal time on the sideline to figure things out, to the rest The greatest up, defense is a good offense. Yeah, but if you're only scoring two touchdowns in those four possessions, then would you have been better off just running the ball in those possessions and giving your defense more time on the sideline to figure themselves out, to get their legs underneath them and to all of that. Like I I get what you're saying, but now you are asking USC to live and die on 45 to 37 games. And I think what we're seeing from the chat and from everybody else is like, do we want to see USC living and dying in 45 to 37 games? I agree with Dave and OC so, though. So you you in that the offense is not the thing to complain about. The offense is fine. The offense won the game. But if people want to talk about solutions for the defense, there are very few solutions and one of them is slow down your offense 
to benefit your defense. That's that is a potential solution. But yeah, I, I, but is it a, is it the best solution? I don't know. Lincoln Riley probably would say, well, we'd we'd rather put up fifty points, and if that's what he decides, then that would that's what he decides. But like, it is a valid option to pursue if you need to have your offense help your I, defense a little bit. I, I just think if we're talking about that, you want you want to slow things down to put the pressure take the pressure off your defense. My thought is if you have the ability to have an offense that's this good, and I'm just going to straight out say it, SC has the best quarterback play they've ever had in the history of the school, literally. This is the best quarterback play we've ever seen in Cardinal and Gold. But you're also talking about you're, you, don't need, you don't need Caleb Williams you, to score five touchdowns in this game the, if you hand the ball The pressure you Travis are putting Dye. on the, them is greater than the pressure that you're putting on your own defense. Yeah, but that's why you end up in 45 to 37 games. Who cares? It's This is what college football because is. Because people are asking about how There's to fix the defense. There's a reason Alabama gives up these points all the time, too. But Alabama because... loses games now because they give up 37 points. People are asking how to fix they the defense. They still win the national championship every other year. Then just say that you're fine with a 45 to 37 Big 12 bad outcome. I, I am. I, like, Which I, is fine. But, like... <laughs> That's uh, th- that's your side, and I'm pointing out that there's an entirely different side that would rather not have 45 to 37 outcomes and that would sacrifice okay. the explosiveness of this offense for potentially helping the defense by running the ball more, especially against a, a defense that was never going to stop USC on the ground. I mean, I get, I get you, but like, I don't know why there's like this... <laughs> it's, it's like... There, there's, you there's, have, there's unrest in the chat about me saying that that Caleb Williams is playing at the, the highest the highest level. I I I, I get it. This is like I've, I've said before. If it's, you this is not about like play, Caleb Williams is better than Matt Liner. Play. It's more so like the offense is these. Matt Liner could, wasn't running this offense. If he was running this offense, he'd be considerably better now than he was then. He wouldn't be good in this offense. Oh no! I agree. Not with, in this I, this I, offense sure, asks something yes. different of a quarterback yes. than Matt Liner. But did. also, like but he would be Caleb, different as a everything you, would be. If different. you put Caleb Williams on the 2005 offense, you don't think Caleb Williams would be absolutely yeah. incredible? Well, like yes, but like, what I'm saying is the offenses are just completely. Yeah, the offenses, offenses are, are catered to help the player more than 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 ever. We we talk about how you know Carson Palmer was this incredible quarterback at SC, and he was. His numbers don't look like anything compared to Caleb Williams. And that's because offenses these days are designed to be significantly more efficient because we've learned, we've like we've evolved as human beings to craft an offense that is more statistically viable to work. And we've that, had that, that, that's how that's how the game is. And we've evolved the, the yes, yeah, so that's profile. why I'm saying the, the quarterback evolved. play itself from Caleb Williams is the best SC has ever had in the school. I would agree. I think we we can argue about whether Caleb Williams himself is the best quarterback SC has ever had. And that's going to be up for debate. He's only played eight games. I'm I'm yeah, I'm not going to in you terms know, put of, my my sword on that hill. I'm just talking terms, about the in quarterback. In terms of play. quarterback performances, yes. This is why it's pointless to compare somebody who played in the 1940s with someone who plays currently because if it, like Caleb Williams is a completely different monster like we didn't have quarterbacks like the closest we had as far as quarterbacks like Caleb Williams the closest we had was someone like Vince Young who was great but Caleb Williams is a better passer than Vince Young Caleb Williams is the 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 
athleticism of a, of a mobile quarterback with the calm, cool, collected nature of a guy like like Matt Liner, which is what Matt made Matt Liner great. Like, it's not fair to compare the modern quarterback to the great quarterback who achieved all those things right. 20 years ago. Like, it's just not fair. The quarterbacks now are bred different and are well, they, better. They spend their entire childhoods going to quarterback camps. Yes. Well, and this is this was uh, this is always my argument of like. You take guys from who played football in the eighties and put them in the modern, you know, modern athletics uh, training and stuff. Yes, maybe they could live up to what we have, but like there was no one in the eighties who compares to what DK Metcalf is, like right. as a specimen. So, like, it's not fair to do those comparisons because the modern athlete is evolved. And Can you imagine Alex Ovechkin playing hockey in the thirties. It, it wouldn't have been fair. It would not have been fair. <laughs> Caleb Williams playing quarterback in the 80s with the modern upbringing that he's had, if you took a time machine and put him back there in the right. 70s or whatever, he would be the, like, he would be a god. Like, it would just not compare because modern sports performance science is just not even the right. same thing. But I do want to talk about something else. Um, huge shout out. We've t- talked about the way that the wide receivers stepped up and, you know, Taj Washington and Kyle Ford both come away with 100-yard performances, which is great for each of them. Taj getting his opportunity, Kyle Ford coming back from all his injuries and still being able to, to perform like this and come up with this moment. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Prize Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Prize Picks app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion? Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. We haven't really talked about the offensive line, though, because we came into this game finding out all of a sudden that Andrew Voorhees would not play. And that was something that really concerned me going into this game. That was not not good. Now, Arizona's defense, not exactly the one that's going to challenge your uh, your offensive front. Well, but you were really, shuffling really quick. We, we got a question from John that said couldn't watch the game. How'd the O-line do without Voorhees? So I think this is a good opportunity yes. for you to. Yes. Continue to go on this. Put the preface of Arizona State's, uh, sorry, Arizona's defensive line, defensive front, not good. Not good at all, buddy. Yeah. But <laughs> I've seen not good offensive, defensive line still cause trouble for USC. And the offensive line had zero problems. The offensive line got shuffled around. Mason Murphy this is the got the best they looked all, all year. Mason Murphy got plugged in there. Yeah. Guys got shifted around. Didn't, didn't have a single problem. They ran the ball well. They protected Caleb Williams. They gave him hours to throw at times. The, the only times um, he, he was getting out of the pocket was when he, you, you had, you know, eight seconds in the pocket. Yeah. And, you know, at, at that point, it's a, it's a free-for-all anyway. So you got the scattered drill at that point. So, yeah, yeah, he, he, he got plenty of time. Oh, he got tons and tons of time, and that's part of what contributed to how effective USC's offense was in this game. Mm-hmm. The only real downsides for the offensive line was was like a holding penalty on, on Mason Murphy that took away a, a first-down conversion, I think. So, um, all in all, I thought the offensive line responded very well to that injury. That's very good to see that Mason Murphy could come in and – take care of business. Obviously you want Andrew or back ASAP because against better defensive fronts, that will be a problem, but mm-hmm. you're seeing them dig more into the offensive line depth and not have it be a disaster. And that's a very good thing, not just for this season, but for next season, because next season you're losing a lot of these senior guys and um, you're going to have to be replacing a lot of them. And we don't know necessarily where those replacements are going to, are going to come from. And, Mason Murphy is now starting to look like one of those guys. You know, we already know that you can rely on Jonah, Mon- Jonah Monheim and, and uh, Cortland Ford looks like he can, he can be there, but yeah. there's gaps that are going to need to be filled and Mason Murphy getting playing time is a very good thing ultimately for USC's offense yeah. offensive line going forward. He, he did have a really key penalty. It took a touchdown off the board. Um, in the, Which was a shame because the, it was a great quarter. touchdown. It was fun. Yeah, and it was a great play by Caleb Williams, and that's um, I think it was Shotgun that, that that tweeted it out that he he after rewatching it, it just looks like a learning experience about a play in which that yeah, it was an effort thing, and and you're gonna you're gonna get better from that. So but, better to have that happening against Arizona. Yes, than UCLA. But, you know we we talk about the offense, and I think part of the the issues on offense tonight, the the only issues on offense tonight were the points that were left on the board. Um. And I, I don't just blame the the offense on that. Um, there were two missed field goals. Uh, one of those missed field goals was a long one, a 56-yarder, which should never have been attempted. Um, it was I, – I, I don't have it in front of me, but it was like a fourth and 12, I want to say. I see had a fourth and something like that. It was a fourth and long um, at about the 40 or so yard line. Just, what, what are we doing? 
if you're going to kick a 56 yard field goal, that means you don't care about the, the, the possession the, uh, the field position. So just go for it. I trust Caleb Williams to pick up a fourth and 12 or whatever versus any college kicker kicking a 56 yards field goal. And that's not a, that's not to say I don't trust, you know, Lynch or anything like that. Like it has nothing to do with that part. Just go for it on fourth down. Don't don't overthink it at that point or, or, or punt. So that was one, one area where I think SC left some on the board that maybe could have been a little bit weird. Lynch, um, Lynch hasn't earned that attempt yet. Does that, yeah, does that make sense? I, like it, maybe at the end of a half, if you want to just throw out. Yeah. Like a, you're just, yeah. Yeah. Or, or if it's like a desperation final drive of the game kind of thing. Yeah. Sure. Uh, that, that's yeah. That's a, if you're choosing between that and a Hail Mary, maybe you take that kick knowing Dennis Lynch does have range. Sure, yeah. But uh, but like I said, I, I don't think that Lynch has uh, earned that yet. He's a young guy. He, he You know, he it's exciting. He's got great personality and everything like that, but he's not been reliable as a kicker yet for USC, so don't have him go out and try to kick that kick when you don't know that you can rely on him. I would rather have the ball in Caleb Williams's hands or I would rather have Aiden sleep Dalton yeah. pin pin Arizona. But in this case, and you know me, I'm a very conservative, like always take the points, always do this. In that case. Not for 56. No, exactly. But in, uh, relative to like there are three options there, right? You attempt the kick, you punt, or you put the ball in Caleb Williams' hands. What we saw from USC's offense in this game, I would have just rather had the ball in Caleb Williams' hand. I think there was a fourth yeah. down attempt that Arizona attempted. Um, that uh, and and I think this applies to what Utah did too. Is like the way you were moving the ball. I was looking. I was sort of looking at it, going like, yeah, of course they should go for that fourth down. Oh, it, it got it got pushed back because of a penalty or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, but the, yeah. Well, the, and then the the you know the, the whole reason game. they didn't go for one of the two point conversions was that way yeah. too, but. I I asked a question in the chat here. Who are your three stars of the night? And before we get uh, yours and mine, uh, let's run down some from the chat. Uh, the Wheeler Dealer says uh, Bryson Shaw, Kyle Ford, and Caleb Williams. Um, GLBC says Caleb Ford and Coach Henson. Uh, Dave the Greater, Caleb, Travis Dye, and uh, Ford. Uh, then we got uh, Caleb, um, Taj Washington, and Travis Dye from NG's Raiders. Raj Ace says, uh, Ross H. Why can I not <laughs> read today? Uh, Ford, Caleb, and a well done steak on my barbecue. Uh, Marksman, I hope that NYC. Well done steak was a medium, though. Uh, medium rare, yeah. perhaps, yeah. Uh, it says Caleb Ford and Blackman. Um, Dave S says hockey stars, Caleb Williams. Uh, Taj Washington, Kyle Ford. Uh, what were what were your three stars? Because I think for me it has to be number one stars, Caleb Williams. Yeah, straight away. Um, the 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 twos and threes. I think it, it gets interesting where you go. If you're only picking SC players, I, realistically, Jaden I mean, Millar is number two. Yeah, but like realistically, we're only talking about SC guys. Um, who, who's your two and three? I think it's Caleb Williams, uh, Taj Washington, Kyle Ford. I get why yeah. people are picking Bryson Shaw. I get it. That interception was big for sure. But to, seven seven tackles tonight. Yeah. To me, Tackle this game was all about 
what USC was able to do without Jordan Addison, without Mario Williams. Yes. And I thought that Caleb Williams was just absolutely outstanding. And Taj Washington came to play and Kyle Ford came to play and they really lifted the offense up on a night when the offense could have run into trouble with knowing that they didn't have their sort of bread and butter guys. Um, I'd give an honorable mention to Travis Dye, especially because he closed out the game the way that he did. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, honorable mention to Bryson Shaw and um, yeah, I saw some for Max Williams. I, uh, I don't want to give it to anybody Bre- on the Brendan, defense. Brendan Rice could have gotten um, some competition there if it wasn't for the drops. Yeah, just those drops. Five, are five catches, sixty-two yards. I think he 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 contributed well, but that's the he, had the he had the most number of targets, but. Uh, did not have the most number of catches, and that was because of the dropsies. That's the difference between Brendan Rice being here and joining Jordan Addison and Mario Williams up here. Oh, like, yeah. I, I thought tonight kind of cemented that Taj Washington's the number three. I think so. I, when when USC needed him, he was there. He yeah. caught everything that came his way. He had a ton of yak yards, scored touchdowns. I don't – yeah, I don't, I don't know what more you could really ask for from him. Ross um, says Ford moving up the uh, the wide receiver depth chart now blocks too well. Yeah, I, I could see so. Kyle Ford doing that. At, at this point, I you know, SC has a good problem to have is all these different receivers because I, I really like what Michael Jackson III does. Me too. I, I, oh, I, I love it. I love his skill set a lot. And I think, you know, Terrell Bynum plays a key role and, uh, you know, Hudson, you know, deserves a spot to to be in this rotation too. So it's hard to have all of these guys there. But I don't know how you don't end up leaving this game thinking that Kyle Ford needs to be more a part of this offense. 100%. It's so difficult, though, because when Jordan Addison and Mario Williams are back, then it's Kyle Ford and Taj Washington fighting for scraps with Brendan Rice. Who does he take away reps from? It's probably Brendan Rice. But the problem is that Kyle Ford catches the ball better than Brendan Rice, but Brendan Rice... It seems like they're more interested in having him involved in the offense overall, and maybe that's right. just because Kyle Ford is still, you know, working his way back from multiple major knee injuries. I don't we know. We can't keep talking about that forever, though, right? It's a lot, though. Well, like, we're not talking about that lot. with Max Williams. I would still talk about that with Max. I don't think I'm judging Max Max Williams as harshly as I would not knowing that he wasn't coming back from but, multiple. But he's injuries. not being. Um, you know, slow, slowly slow gamed. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's in their full board. He led, he led SC in tackles tonight. Uh, he had three solo tackles, nine all told. Uh, he had a half tackle for loss and a pass breakup for uh, Max Williams. He did. almost had the longest sack in the history of sacks. And I was very disappointed <laughs> that he let Delora get away from him the third time he had a chance at him. Cause that would have been really fun. But, no, I, I think I think the nice thing about this this offense is as much as we want to talk about like who's the number three receiver, you're very much or three or four, you're very much in a scenario where the three or four receiver is whoever comes to play that night. So yeah. it's Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, and everybody else. You can't I mean Kyron Hudson has got uh, got two two catches for 26 yards. Every time Kyron Hudson comes up for a catch, it's a big one. He doesn't get very many options, opportunities, but he's there for it. Uh, we both like Michael Jackson the third. All of those guys, they can be there whenever they need to be there. And I think that the pecking order, there is no pecking order once you get down beyond the first two guys. It's just 
who's going to go out there and make the play. And I think Kyle Ford has proven himself to Caleb Williams that if he's on the field, he's going to make the play. Yeah. I, I loved the, the long 70 yard pass play. Uh, excellent beautiful. execution from Caleb Williams on the <sighs> little feather um, and the, and the little rope a dope from Kyle Ford to fake the block and then just go out there and, and catch the ball with a big gain. If he's a little bit faster, he gets into the end zone, but doesn't need to be that fast when he's that uh, that skilled yeah. uh, as a pass catcher um, and a target in the passing game. Um, Glenn says, given tonight's special teams performance, uh, should we still hire a special teams coach for next year? As we've said on previous episodes, USC had special teams mishaps and blunders I, with a special teams coach. So, so here, here's my issue with, the, with talking about the special teams issues from tonight. There were two big special is, teams mistakes. I don't think they are solved with the special teams coach. The issues tonight was the decision to have the sneak onside kick. Which was it, a decision. It, it, it didn't work. But it wasn't, that was, wasn't poorly executed that, that was, either. That like was it, a decision. Yeah. Um, if, if, if SC gets that, everyone raves about it, right? Like the, the problem, if anything, there is the decision to go for is to go for that. Yeah. And if, you, if you're critical of that, then it really has nothing to do with whether or not there is a coach there. That comes from the head coach. Yeah. Number two is the punt from Aiden Sleep Dalton that was looked like it was tipped, tipped but, or, yeah. but when they showed the replay, it didn't look like it was tipped from that close. I don't know. It wasn't a great punt. Again, that's just one punt. I don't know if a, if a special teams coach fixes one punt from a punter. Usually the things that I'm talking about with special teams coaches are long returns or a poor decision on a return game. I, I did think that Michael uh, Jackson III had a questionable return, and he was pretty deep. Probably should have just fair caught it or let the ball go on a punt, but he had a nice little nifty return of uh, 10 yards, 10 yards that looked pretty good. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I don't think that tonight was the most indicative of SC needing a special teams coach. You agree? Yeah. Like I said, uh, it doesn't seem to make enough of a difference to me to have the special teams coach, yeah. uh, especially when there are so many other things that this staff needs to get in order. Like to get a special teams coach, you need to lose a position coach from somewhere else. And where am I going to take that special, that, that position coach from? I don't think there's a special teams coach that's uh, that's good enough to to justify that. Um, that's uh, surefire enough. John to, Baxter, the uh, best John Baxter, in, yes. in the history of sports. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And uh, Glenn in the Glenn says uh, punting has been suspect this year. Yeah, I'm kind of not surprised though because USC brought in a punter who had never put on an, an American football uniform before he got to USC. Like oh, uh, they they shared that anecdote on the broadcast and like. That's the norm for all the Australian guys. Yeah, that's that, what I'm saying. It's I like that's that's not a problem. All all the good punters in the country are Australian. That's the, the yes, same for all yes, those guys. But should we be surprised that said Australian punter is having some growing pains in his first sure, involvement sure. in a college football se like season? I don't think that's a surprise. I think he'll get better as as he goes along. We saw that from uh, from a boy um, I, whose name up Ben Griffiths. I do wonder. I'm I'm curious um, if the stats bear this out. If you are a Aussie rules punter who 
and I don't think Ainsley Dalton is one of the guys. He's he's young. I don't think he's one of the guys who played professionally, right? He's not like a twenty-eight-year-old or anything. Yeah. Like so, that. but yeah. I, I wonder, do the guys who did play professionally, like Ben Griffiths, played professionally in the AFL or whatever it's called, right? Um, are those guys more likely to have success in your run because they've played on a big stage before? Ben Griffiths had issues in year one at USC. He, he talked about he that, talked yeah. about how it was punting in in a yeah. stadium with the lights and the crowd and everything was different. It felt different. Like this is just this is just a reality. I, I and this is I think one of the issues that USC has with the special teams in general. Who are USC special teamers? They have a freshman kicker and a freshman punter like yeah it's not perfect i don't think it's it's uh i don't think it's break glass but the, stuff the, yet the other thing a special teams coach is not giving like all the the punters and the kickers and the offseason they go to their kicking camps yeah like they're not spending the the special teams coach isn't going over techniques on how the kickers and punters work so like, I guess like, they're setting up the blocking and all. Yes, yeah, so the, stuff, the but... special teams coaches is all about the return game and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, the, it, they're they're not. You know, John Baxter wasn't out there like talking about form with a punter. You know what I mean? Like that that's not that's not what they're they're, they're learning all those things in, in camp. But they do emphasize different things. Like we did sure. hear we did hear from um, kickers and punters under Baxter that he emphasized hang time more than anything else so right. like it wasn't about yeah. distance it was hang time hang time hang time so yeah. like there is that element but it, i don't know that there's anything that you couldn't get from just one of your position coaches running the show it's just not enough of a game changer you would see had a special teams coach for a long time and all we did was complain about him so yeah uh let's go to a question from Pontro cam it says how does it feel being this far into the season and likely be nine and one before USC heads into the UCLA game. It feels great, doesn't it? It feels great to be nine and one and to be able to have these conversations where we are about, about they don't run not about, running the about ball whether or not forty five points on <laughs> offense, like whether or not USC should change their offense, like all that kind of stuff. I I think it's it's nice that USC is in these conversations. I still think USC is a work in progress. I I, I want people to not get ahead of themselves about what their expectations for this season are or will be or can be or should be. Um, but it's fun. It's fun. It's As fun it to be nine and now, one. I, I, I don't foresee a way in which this can be like a failure, honestly. I can, but I don't think they're plausible outcomes. So we're in, in the worst case scenario. Is just don't SC going out. nine and three? Just don't. I, but again, record wise, yeah, I think. I think people would be disappointed by that, but yeah. I don't think they should. But what, and I don't expect that to happen either. What like, we've talked about too is like nine and three matters a lot less than how you got to nine and three. So yes. like, do I think that there's a scenario where USC gets blown out by Notre Dame or, or UCLA and falls to nine and three? I don't think so. Like, I think if USC ends up being nine and three, they lose to Notre Dame and UCLA in 45 to 37 shootouts that are just right. the way they go. So, yeah, I, I think I feel really good. And and I think that uh, I feel really excited for the future because it's up from here. It's really, it really is going up from here. Absolutely. I like, it's crazy to think that Kill Williams is this good so far and he's still got another year. Yeah. 
Like, I know the defense is bad, too. Like, I know that it's very frustrating to watch this defense. But, like, in every measure, this defense is better than they were last year. Just, like, remember that. Like, this defense is a vast improvement from what they were. So, like, yeah. Yeah. They're going to continue to get better uh, on both sides of the ball, for sure. Ryan says, is our strength of schedule hiding a lot of our flaws? Only one one ranked team, and it is our loss. I, I don't I don't think so. I mean, yeah, if SC would have played, say this was an odd year, odd numbered year, and they would have played Notre Dame already, and maybe they would have had a road game at Oregon already. Yeah, maybe they're maybe they have two two losses there or, or one more loss or whatever it is. But again, going back to the eye test thing, I don't know if the eye test changes, especially considering that SC's toughest road game was the game in which the offense looked the best last week against Utah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. SC's offense looked better tonight than the Utah game, but like, but that's, you know, different. Arizona's offense, uh, defense, I mean, defense yeah. looks like a cheese, cheese grater. Yeah. Uh, like the, the side with the big holes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, let's go to another question from Ryan. Do you think USC's referrals will lean on the run? We talked about that earlier. Big T37 says, can we all admit Ray John Davis will not be on this team next year? How does he not get any snaps? Love Nomura, but he's just not a linebacker for heavy snaps. He was getting burned all night. I'm not going to sit here and say that, that we know that about Ray John Davis. I, I think it's, I think it's difficult to predict a transfer like that. I think those things are always uncomfortable to talk about because we are not clued in to all the decision-making of why someone isn't getting reps, what all the reasons that go on into those decisions, all the things that are happening on and off the field. There's a lot that goes into it. I, Yes, I think that in 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 you know in a perfect world, given where he was as a recruit, you'd like to say that you know he was the guy leading USC's linebacker core when when Eric Gentry goes down. But is that indicative of a future transfer? I I I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, it's it's too hard to say as far as the transfer goes. I do think that you can read something into Rayshon Davis not getting time in this game, though. I think that that's not a good sign for where he is in in the pecking order. I think it's not a good sign that very clearly they didn't really have anybody under Tuasivi Nomura that they were willing to trust because we didn't see any of them in this game. We only saw Tuasivi Nomura. We only saw Shane Lee, and we only saw different formations that made up for the fact that they only had those two guys. So if Rajon Davis was a viable choice in this game, he would have played in this game. The fact that he's not means he's not a viable choice for even these kinds of games. That makes it less likely that we'll even see him against a Colorado or a a Cal, which if he doesn't play against Colorado or Cal, he's not playing this season at all. Um, You look at someone like Chris Thompson, like Carson Tabarachi, Garrison Madden, those guys, like they're clearly not trusted. Uh, Taylor Katoa, they're, they're not trusted. And, I would prefer them to be trusted. I would prefer them to have earned a level of trust to have played in this game. I don't know why they aren't trusted. I don't know if there's, if I don't know if the coaching staff is just being overly um, 
conservative about who they're going to trust. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that where the decisions are being made. But I do think it's concerning that those guys haven't gotten that that opportunity, that chance. And that may have consequences and that may involve the transfer portal. It may not. We don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. We're, we're going to see how that goes. Still plenty of time this season. Four more games remain on the docket all in November. We'll, we'll see if he's able to get on the field a little bit more that way. Uh, SJ says, question of uh, what is the play of the game? I said the, the Taj touchdown. Which one? There were there were two. Um, the play of the game might have been the touchdown that was pulled back because of the <laughs> I, I I think for me it was the the pass to Brendan Davis in the back of the end zone, the one where they Brendan like Rice. fake the end around and then uh, Caleb turns around and then throws on his back foot and throws like a hundred and two mile an hour sinker right to Brendan Rice in the back of the end zone and he he toe taps. Yeah, that was sweet. That, that wasn't was, that was insane. Wasn't one of the Kyle Ford, sorry, not Kyle Ford, Taj Washington ones, the one where Caleb Williams stood in and took a hit. And got the penalty. Uh, yeah, that, was that the forty-seven yarder. Yes, I think yeah. so. That was the forty-seven yarder to, that to touch too. Felt like the play of the game, but yeah. it's hard because there, there were there were a bunch of insane plays. There, there I mean, were, realistically, Dorian Singer's first touchdown of the game. I mean that that is the correct answer because I still <laughs> don't know how he made that catch. That is one of the best catches I've ever seen in my life. Like that thing was yeah. incredible. Um, USC had the great problem of there were too many really, really good plays that they all sort of blend together where like that one was a freaking amazing play that I'm going to remember, even though I don't remember any of the other catches from USC in this game. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to lists of questions we've got here. Um, uh, Dave, the grader says, what is your prediction for the playoff ranking coming out next week? What do you got? It was a big week for the big teams. Ohio State, big win on the road at Penn State. I think the real question is, will the playoff committee reward Tennessee in a way that the AP voters haven't and give them the number one ranking? Um, I think there's an argue for argument for it, but none of that really matters because Georgia and Tennessee are playing anyways. So from a USC perspective, I think USC may be top 10. Um, be, it, the hard thing is like who gets ranked in front of them I don't know that this game helps USC very much uh, in terms of the like the standings as, as the as the college football playoff puts them forward. But there are only so many six and one teams. So, I mean, I maybe UCLA is in front of USC. Maybe or I mean, Oregon probably will be. Oklahoma State's not there anymore. Wake Forest not there anymore. So will Penn State be ahead of USC? I don't, I don't know that I would have Penn State in front of USC, but they played. No, they're not going to move a two-loss team. Oh, yeah. That, Penn that State just lost, right? So they're two lost. Yeah. So there's only so many teams that can uh, that could go ahead of I, USC, and, and none of them really stand out. So USC will probably be right around where they are in the uh, in the current polls. I, I think it'll be pretty, pretty true to form with the polls. I wouldn't be surprised if – it's difficult. I feel like the top three. I, I've talked about Georgia and Ohio State playing a different sport. Tennessee, Tennessee yeah. I think, is getting very close to getting into that that tier for me. Um, I, I, I think Kentucky's a good team. Beating them forty-four to six is, 
Tennessee just keeps keeps going here, and yeah, I, I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna see how that that game is with Tennessee, uh, which is uh, at Georgia next week. Yeah, so um, that's gonna be huge. I wouldn't be surprised if if the if the They're playoff opportunity makes that one two just yeah. for the hell of it. Yeah, but. That means putting Ohio State three, and Ohio State three feels like it's way too low for Ohio State to be three. I really liked. If I, you've I, watched Ohio State the last two weeks, I don't know. But... I, did you see them on the road today against Penn State? I was totally fine with what they did. Yes, they closed like a top ten team. Yes, yes the offense wasn't the juggernaut for the whole sixty but minutes. We're I talking get you that, about when they, comparing them to Georgia and Tennessee right now. And I those, don't think I would not those have are the Ohio top three teams pick an order, whatever. Yes. It doesn't matter. Personally, I would not have Ohio state against uh, so ahead the, of Tennessee. The, the question right now. is really is who's number four and the number four probably has to be Michigan. And who's number five. It probably has it's to be Clemson. Clemson or five and five and four. You can flip them around depending yeah, on how you feel. I think TCU is definitely number six of those top six. Um, and you know, from from that point on, I think it's you know it's, it's questionable where you go. I I think that um, all those teams are roughly the same level. I I'm glad I don't have a poll because, I mean, a, a vote because I well, especially because it's, it's right so right now, Georgia still hasn't played Tennessee. We'll know a lot more right. when they and, play. And that's, Michigan hasn't played Ohio State. We'll know a lot more when they play. Like there's just you know. Not enough. And we don't know what USC will look like when they play UCLA or Notre Dame or Oregon if they get there. Like, right. Well, I I like the idea of I like the tier system um and grouping teams. Like right now, Georgia, Tennessee really Georgia and Tennessee should be in the same group because those whoever wins wins out between those two is in. Yeah. Whoever loses, if they end up going eleven one and one is in. So those two teams probably in the playoff, right? Then you got whoever wins between Ohio State and Michigan is in. Whoever loses is going to be interesting because I don't know if they're going to get the guaranteed bid that Georgia-Tennessee will get. Like you could have this thing where Georgia and Tennessee and Ohio State and Michigan, the loser gets an automatic bid for just going 11-1. and one. That's possible. And it really depends on how that game played out, right? right. Because... How, how do those games play out? It's, it's possible that that ends up happening, um, but we, we don't know because... If Georgia beats Tennessee close and then Georgia goes on to beat Alabama or whoever in the SEC title game... Right. Are you going to drop Tennessee... Tennessee below Clemson? No. That, yeah. And then if Michigan and Ohio State is close, are you going to drop the loser below Clemson? It's potentially It's potential that they wouldn't. Yeah, depending on what Clemson does. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the the way the playoff committee has gone, they tend to sort by losses. So my my thought is an undefeated Clemson still gets in. Um, I don't know, but we'll we'll see. Either way, the Pac-12 does need some sort of help. The way I look at it, I don't think Oregon, SC, or UCLA has an edge over any of them. I think those three teams virtually even. Uh, in terms of their their chances of, of winning the conference, I guess if anything, I think SC might have the hardest trip, given that the defense is is a liability, and I feel, probably feel a little bit more confident about the other two teams' defense. Um, but SC, Oregon, and UCLA, if they either one of those wins out and they're twelve and one and win the conference, 
then they're going to be on the doorstep to have a chance to, to make the playoff, depending on how everything else goes. I, I don't think it's going to matter that, oh, the SC being a brand name is going to get them in more than Oregon would. Like, I don't think that that matters. They'll have to have beaten Oregon. It, it well, they matter. will have beaten Oregon yeah. or, yeah, either beaten Oregon or Oregon will have lost to the point where it doesn't matter, right? Um, yeah, it, it's it win the Pac-12, give yourself the opportunity. Personally, I think the best case scenario for USC win out, win the Pac-12, and get Rose left Bowl. out of the playoff, go to the Rose Bowl, and play whoever loses between Ohio State and Michigan, yeah. and not get like you that don't be- you don't want Georgia, you don't want Ohio State, you don't want tennis. Like you, I am really enjoying this USC team. I really have enjoyed this season. Hey, can, can, can I? I don't want to see what happens when this USC team faces one of those teams. Can, Quite can, frankly, I don't. Can I be completely honest? Mm. I agree with the idea that a playoff blowout loss that you would take a Rose Bowl appearance over a playoff blowout loss. I agree with that sentiment in terms of how things feel good. But I think in year one, A, just getting the playoff, it does not matter what happens. It does not matter what happens. If you got to the playoff in year one, that is such an accomplishment. You're playing with house money. Who cares? You can lose 62 to nothing. It does not matter. Well, I just don't want to lose 62 to number nothing. Number two, number two, the flip side of this is SC hasn't even been in the playoff. SC's been yeah. to many a Rose Bowl. If you just, the, the first time you get to the playoff, again, I, if you lose big, you at least made it. I guess the plus side is if you go to the playoff in year one and lose big, you, you just get to say, hey, we didn't think we were going to get to the playoff in year one anyways. So right. Like the, realistically SC being in the top 10 in the end of year one is house money as it is. Yeah. 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 A- a- absolutely. I would certainly not turn down a playoff bid. If USC ran the table, won the pac 12 and was in that position, I would not turn it yeah. down at all. I would love, well, I would love it. Love it. Love it. K- Kyle in chat says you should have the attitude of CJ Stroud. I'm not satisfied with 11 and two and a Rose bowl victory. You know, yes. Yeah, but you use that to propel you for the next season. Yes, like that's the I, whole point. I like, agree. The the flip side of that is in year one after off of a year and that we went eight, four and eight, then absolutely you should feel satisfied with the Rose Bowl victory. Uh if you're eleven and two. Like, yeah, a- absolutely. Mind you, a lot of a lot of stuff has to has to happen for SC to even get there. SC's gotta still finish off the year uh and, and all of yeah. that still. Um, let, let's got to, uh, go to a question from, uh, Ricky D way off topic. Have you seen the video showing the Michigan state players ganging up on a Michigan player in the tunnel? Did you see this? I looked it up when he sent in that question and yikes, big yikes. Um, yeah. Uh, when he says ganging up on a Michigan player, <laughs> In the tunnel, he is not kidding about the crowd of five, six, or seven Michigan State players who are literally wailing on a Michigan player who is on the floor in the tunnel. All right, hold on. Here's I'm I'm pulling up the it's uh it's a it's a it's a it's a yikes. It it looks like Michigan State players jumping up and down, and then yes, randomly you there's there's a Michigan player in between them getting thrown around by those Michigan players what? and thrown to the uh, floor. If you're, if you're joining us on, on YouTube, I'm going to send you the link. Um, I don't know 
why, how, or what the heck happened there? I and there's a random dude. Is it a Michigan coach who's just like I? And then one random dude filming it too. I don't know what's going on. I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, Stuff's happening in the tunnels involving Michigan teams in Michigan. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, we, we did get a question from Eric. We talked about this at the end of the um, uh, preview pod. He says, don't forget before you sign off for tonight, curious how in-game meal choices are decided. Was the choice influenced because we played Arizona or was it all mood? Okay. So Eric, here's the question. Are you talking about us or the team? I think he's, he's talking about us. He's talking about us. us, right? Yes. Okay. Well, let me answer the team thing really quick. The team thing ends up being, so SC would always have, uh, this is not an in-game meal, I guess a post-game meal. So yes, he's talking about us. But uh, the post-game meal for the longest time used to be Cadoba at the Coliseum. It smells so good. And it would smell so good right outside the Nothing locker room. It was incredible. It, it, was, it was so good. Um and it was like a tease to the media. You'd be standing there. You're like, ah, I want some. Um, and then they started getting uh, Chick-fil-A. And they would have Chick-fil-A delivered all the time. And usually for road games, it would end up being Chick-fil-A too. Like they were just, they'd bead the bags. And as the players would walk out, they'd get their game checks and their uh, and their bag of chicken. Like quite the, quite the combo. Uh, but... How, how, how do you want to go back to Eric's question? What, uh, what what decides your in-game meals? A lot of times we decide beforehand that we're going to go get something. So like a lot of times it's like, oh, we're going to go to, we're going to do Pukito Mas, right? And, or we're going to do pizza, right? Um, I think today we, we didn't plan to do anything. So there came a point where it's like, well, what are we going to eat? And then it was like, well, do you want to just do chicken nuggets? So we had chicken nuggets. Yeah, I was I was fully planned to go to we, we had chicken uh that was ready to go and I was planning to to usually in-game meals end up being like we're gonna DoorDash something or gonna yeah. pizza, something like that. And um pizza usually is the go-to. Um this time we we uh we had lunch that way. And so for the game, I was just going to, I was going to make me some, some nachos. And then I uh, didn't at the last second, because right at the, I was going to make me nachos at the at halftime. And then that whole like referee thing happened uh, and um, had to make the YouTube video thing, get Which the live stream all prepped. We didn't really talk about the halftime thing, but can we talk about the halftime thing? But more specifically, like, can we just R- really quick? want to go to Malcolm's. Oh question in the chat about uh-huh. game check yeah the players get a game check it's not a game it's like it's, a per diem it's a per diem the, yeah. the players get a per diem because uh for road games uh if they are away the school provides them with uh an ability to eat or anything so the they get meal. like a per diem so yeah. that's what the game check is yeah it's not really a game check it's I a, just it's i don't a, know how it's how a else travel it's a travel per, a travel per voucher. Diem is, yeah. yeah per diem is probably the way to do it yeah um so the halftime thing that was atrocious that was horrendous that was really really bad and it's a good thing that it ultimately didn't have an impact on the outcome of the game but it could have and that's really (laughs) scary um 
Hold but on. also, can I give a PSA? Let me just get this out real quick. A PSA to USC fans. You make the fan base look bad when you talk about it being a conspiracy against USC because then John Wilner is on Twitter talking about how USC fans are being crazy about like, but not talking about the Utah five seconds that USC got back on the clock or about the roughing the passer or um, uh, unnecessary roughness that, that Arizona got today. Like it's not a conspiracy against USC. The Pac-12 refs are just bad and incompetent and terrible at their jobs and they suck and they <laughs> suck for everybody. I watch enough Pac-12 football to know that they suck for everyone. They sucked against for the Utah Washington state game. They were terrible in that game. They're terrible in every Pac-12 game. They just suck. Like just, when you are critiquing the Pac-12 refs, if we all could just keep on tune about the Pac-12 refs suck and USC got screwed over in this instance instead of the Pac-12 refs are out to get USC. They're not. They're out to get, like, they're out to get football. Like, that's who they're out to get. Like, they're out to get clean football. I Well, the the, the late hit that was called on Arizona that ultimately it's a late uh, call. T- took away what, what would have been a field goal. Yeah. SC would have had to settle um, and turn it into a touchdown. A touchdown uh, potentially could have factored in this game huge, bigly. Could have factored bigly <laughs> if Arizona was scored on that last drive. Um, you know that that could have been maybe for the win instead of the tie for for the Wildcats, but it wasn't. Um, but like that to me is prototypical Pac-12 drafts. Yes. So when you and I are watching the game, you I I know you think I'm a crazy person. Because I get, any, I, you're a crazy time, person, but I get why you're any, a crazy person. Anytime, uh, like Jaden Millar is running towards the sideline, like don't touch him, don't touch him, don't touch, like don't even touch him, and you get anywhere close, and like my body winces in pileups when somebody then throws a guy later, like as the the whistle <laughs> is blowing or whatever. I hold my breath every time, and I'm like, no, no, and. And it's not because I think those things are, should be penalties. It's because I'm just, I expect the worst out of the refs at all times. And when you expect that they're going to call literally anything, that's what that is. That, that's, that, that's, that's what that is. And that's what the Pac-12 refs tend to do is call uh, literally everything. Or in that moment before the half. It, my, okay. My issue about the, the moment before the half where they can't get the snap down Two one two things. First of all, um, the guy operating the clock is a is an Arizona like employee or whatever, right? Like that guy works at the stadium. The, now I'm not saying that the, he rigged the system. No, the, the problem guy the the clock operator makes mistakes all the time. Some of it is uh, them, you know, a, a hometown clock, sure, but some of it just happens, human error, whatever. That whole thing happens fine. The way, it, the way it happened in the moment, I don't have an issue with. That's a hard thing. There's a lot of humans putting it all together, whatever. The problem is that they never reviewed it. They review everything. They review the seconds, uh, the Utah game, uh, where, again, they found out that the clock operator and the referees couldn't work in tandem together. That, they reviewed that. They review, they review everything in this conference but they didn't review the one before the half. And it's and, such and an if, obvious if there's, review. If there's some sort of technicality on why they couldn't review it, A, why wasn't that told to us? And secondly, what? Like, I understand people make mistakes. 
but how do you like you literally have review to make sure that you that you correct your mistakes like what are we doing here yeah it outrageous outrageous it's simple it's really really simple in that situation just go review the clock determine that there was six seconds on the clock when usc had that completion and then have the clock start on the referee's signal which is how the thing is supposed to happen anyways but you didn't have the clock start but like it's a it's a technical error just fix it this is why you can go back and fix it like it's just it's so dumb yeah so dumb so frustrating um typical pac-12 refs like this is just what we're used to like and this is the difference that like people talk about how like refs in the big 10 are bad too they are bad too refs in the sec are bad too the difference is that like the refs in those conferences don't seem to get the technical basic crap wrong as often as the pac-12 does or at least not as as like flamboyantly yeah you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like just out there in the open, like put a just, beacon on it. Like here we are making a bad mistake. Like, yeah. 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 This, I, I yeah. Uh, <sighs> Ulau Ulau says in the, in the, the chat, how do you guys think the USC's young DB group uh, held up against a very talented group of wide receivers? I thought the quarters were good tonight. Um, so yeah, right. Had a, had a, had a penalty. Um, you know, Getting a we, we didn't we didn't see much of Makai Blackman. I, I tend to think that that's a good thing with with a cornerback. Um, I thought that they kept the receivers in check for most part of this game, um, except for when they didn't, or except for when the receivers <laughs> were, were draped had guys draped Making all over them and made too. insane catches. Yeah. Uh, the the problems for me was when the plays broke down, um, and then you had guys doing the scramble drill and then coming open, um, then suddenly you have McMillan wide open down the sideline. It's like, well, where was he? And why didn't Jaden Delara see him earlier then? Um, scramble drill stuff, SC, that stuff is super hard to defend. That was part of the issue. Um, and the other issue is I think the corners do their job more often than not. It's the safeties. And when you get in the safeties and linebackers in coverage that um, can be a little bit vulnerable for SC, but there was a play in the second late, late there in the second half where kill uh, or, uh, Bullock nearly killing Bullock nearly has the interception where he, he well, and Jacoby Covington Covington com- nearly has the interception and yeah. Bullock breaks it up. Yeah. And like they hit each other. Like that yeah. was a rough moment. It looks like both those guys were banged up at, his, at, at, at first Bullock ultimately came back, but yeah, like, like you, I think the corners are doing fine. I think there were some bad breaks in this game, just some incredible catches that you just have to credit um, the opposing team for. Uh, they they could obviously be be better. I think that uh, the the entire defense from top to bottom is a work in progress. That's, uh, that's what I'll say. Uh, but yeah. in terms of the work that needs to be done to fix the defense, the corners are not my biggest concern right now. Yeah. Uh, Ron says in the chat that it was apparent that uh, SC missed Gentry in the middle and I have a new appreciation for the guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. SC missed him. They'll be hoping to get him back next week to play Cal as uh, as as well. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. We will be back on Monday to talk more about the Arizona game. And then, of course, Wednesday leading into homecoming, USC homecoming against Cal next week. 
followed by a short week, a Friday, to less than two weeks from 13 days from now against Colorado as well. So um, join us then. Uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us here in the chat here on YouTube. If you watch us this far, be sure to like the stream and subscribe. If you're not subscribed, helps join the uh, grow the channel. Uh, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, of course, you can review us there. Our email address is troy at fanside.com. We'll be back Monday to talk more. Leave us your comments or send us an email. We'll have those prepped for the mailbag as well. Alicia, you got any final thoughts here in the CarCast? On to the next one. All right. You heard it. Uh, we will see you guys. Oh, oh final words. Who wins the uh, Mexican Grand Prix? You got to go check it. We're, right? we're Sergio Perez fans right now. Yeah. Got to go check it. What do I check it? Yeah. We'll, we'll see how it goes. All right. Until then, see ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.